Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Julie, what the heck is the upside to a down real estate market after all? Well, I know there's so many negative headlines and doom and gloom and the number of sales has crashed and this and that and the other, but there are some upsides to this market. And let's do down, let's uh, define what a down market really is. Sure. Because as we've been sharing with you guys the last couple of weeks, it looks like this is indeed going to be the worst market, real estate market, in terms of home sales of our lifetime. So for those of you who just got your real estate licenses, evidently you didn't get the memo. (laughs) (laughs) What were you thinking? Right. We're just kidding. Because (laughs) we think a market like this creates the most opportunity for agents that frankly are being proactive with the right skill set. But yes, we're looking at this year being the lowest number of actual home sales, maybe in the last three or four decades. The numbers are obviously aren't all in yet, but that is indeed what it appears is going to be. uh, This is going to go down in the history books. And for those of you who are wondering what a tough real estate market actually feels like. You have just lived through it. Congratulations. And there's every reason to believe that we're at or near the bottom in terms of the actual number of transactions. And last point, and I've made this the last three days because it's really important. Yes, this is going to be the lowest number of transactions in maybe recorded history for real estate sales in terms of a percent of homes that actually got listed and sold. But we're still looking at what we believe to be around 10 million paychecks were issued to real estate agents this year. There are 4 million listings that sold. There were almost seven or 800,000 new construction homes that were sold. Hopefully, all those had two transact or two, two sides, sides, a buyer's agent and a seller's agent. You guys can do the math. That's not a bad thing. It's just a no. function of whether or not you were one of the agents receiving multitudes of those paychecks. And if you weren't, this is today's podcast. That's right. So we're going to give you talking points. These are really objection handlers in some sense. When people say, oh, I'm going to wait or, you know, the market's terrible, whatever. What is the upside to a down real estate market? Point number one. Buyers in the new market now have more choices. Inventory just went up, I think, about 11,000. It's not a ton, but it is inching the right direction. How many of your buyers were sidelined for months or even years waiting to have more than one house to choose from? How many more buyers opted not to be in a bidding war? They just didn't want to deal with that. How many of those buyers have also got a home to sell who told you they would have listed, but where would they go? We did a podcast on that, by the way. And there's a lot of new construction, too, that's finally coming online. Tons of new construction. Right. When was the last time you spoke with those people? Inventory has inched up over the past 90 days, even if it's just slightly, but new construction has inched up a lot. Some homes are taking longer to sell, and as days on the market increase, so do the number of choices. Um, One of the coaches told me, that they had a coaching client who represented a buyer who got $100,000 off of the list price, to which I said, that's that's pretty significant. How did they do it? They said, well, the house had been on the market for 90 days. Yeah. And the seller was motivated, so they came down in price. Well, but that, to Julie's just point, uh, Jill, the point Julie just made, make sure you're drilling down on that. So in this market, in a really, really tough real estate market, we know there are going to be at least 4 million uh, real estate, uh, resale transactions. Who knows how much, how many new construction homes? This is what 
the bottom of a market feels like exactly what we're experiencing now. And it is worth pointing out mm-hmm. that despite all the doom and gloom, you know, bridge troll types, right. there hasn't been a mass exodus of agents uh, no. getting out of real estate. No. Why? Because it's not that easy anymore getting a real estate license. It does take a lot of work. It does take time. And real estate is a great transition mar- uh, job for you. A lot of agents or a lot of humans now are getting real estate licenses because of the fact that they want to be less dependent on a job or they want to create another income source for themselves. That's what happens in a marketplace like this. Julie and I said four years ago that when the market got tough, which we knew it would happen, we saw inflation coming, we knew interest rates were going to go up. We talked about this. Go back and listen to our predictions from years ago. Uh, We also predicted the number of agents would not precipitously drop. Even the number of agents would increase because of the fact that people need to oftentimes, unfortunately or fortunately, uh, have multiple sources of income. Well, that's right. And don't forget the fact that the average sale price means the average commission has gone up. So let's say that you're somebody that has kind of a mid-level job. You're making 70 or 80 grand a year. Guess how many homes you have to sell? Seven or eight? It's not five billion, right? I mean, that's pretty amazing to be able to do that, either as an additional job or to replace your old job. You'd, I mean, yes, the number of sales are down, but how many do you personally need? Well, I remember in the late 70s mm-hmm. when I was single digits, Yeah, my mom went and got a real estate license. That's right. I'll never forget. She got a real estate license. She passed. She was a real estate agent. She was working for Century 21, and she bought this, and we have pictures of it because she denies it. She, <laughs> she lives with us. We bought this, or she bought this pink suit for herself. Mm-hmm. And it was this crazy pink suit with bell bottoms. Remember, this is the late 70s. But why did she do it? Because my dad wasn't earning as much money. And because mom wanted to earn money so she could, obviously, our, we were old enough that we could more or less take care of ourselves, so that she could then uh, subsidize the income for the family. That's what happens in markets like this. That's right. So number two, uh, again, upside to the down market, buyers don't have to guarantee appraisal gaps anymore in most cases. Homes are selling at or close to the list price, not massively above anymore. No more worries for you about deals dying because the buyers don't have the down payment plus the appraisal difference. This means each buyer's savings actually goes further towards a stronger down payment or keeping more reserve cash or possibly even buying down the interest rate. So that's good. How fun was that dealing with appraisal gaps? I love this next point. Um, And this is probably one of the reasons I love a market like this. Oh, me too. Is the sellers actually need you. That's point number three. Sellers actually need you. Homes aren't selling themselves anymore. Pricing is more challenging and staging matters. No more beating down your commission because they really didn't see your value. Hopefully, use your listing presentation. The temptation to be a for sale by owner or to not be particular about whom they list with or to do go with a, a discount broker is now waning. Well, Again, they need you more, so they're going to value your skills. When we talk about that, Julie, I'll tell you where my heart goes. I am thinking about, like, we know statistically that most agents, after they've been in the business just a few years, get a vast majority of their business from their centers of influence and past clients. Mm-hmm. And many of you, I would bet there are three of you, you know, who have been in the business for more than 15 years. So most of you who have been in the business for a few years are getting most of your business from centers of influence and past clients. All right, that is always the first spoke that we want agents to employ, spokes, lead generation wheel, 
join uh, coaching. We'll talk more about that or listen to past podcasts. But here's really what happens. In a market where the sellers become more particular, especially coming out of a hot seller's market, where the centers of influence and past client type agent has not had to learn how to compete, those are the agents that suffer the most in a market like this. 100%. And, and so we've seen that happen from the coaching side, but I also remember when Julie and I sold real estate. So if you're an agent who got all of your business, a majority of your business from your centers of influence and past clients, do not think that you're somehow going to uh, skate past the need to really get your game on because that seller who loves you, who is the, you know, they sat next to you in church or they, you know, you were neighbors five years ago or does not matter how you're connected to them. That seller is going to be very selective on who they list the house with. And even if they know, love and trust you, it does not mean they will list with you unless they're confident that you can actually get the house sold. They're going to make you compete. And there's so many ways they can go and research you anymore. You know, you can go online and find out how many houses most agents have sold or haven't sold, whether most of that transactions they've done were buyer or seller side. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to get your skills on and you're going to have to assume that what worked in the past market still will work, but you're going to have to make it work by improving your skill set. Well, that's right. And in fact, when, because sadly, when does happen, you lose that um, listing that you were assumptive just because you knew them, those are the tragic coaching calls because it's so painful. It almost always is losing twice and then they hire a coach. Exactly how it goes. They don't and learn the first time. No, they have to learn a second time. They do. We try well, to save you from this, guys, but still you're stubborn. Well, it's because the first time they're like, oh, they, you know, we're saying, for example, you see one of your centers of influence and in past clients lists with somebody else. You're going to rationalize it. You know you will. They bought the listing. They, uh, they cut their commission. Yep. Or somehow they knew them, or maybe it was a whatever, whatever. You're going to rationalize losing. The and, first time. And you're going to write it off. The second time you're going to lose again, center of influence, past client comes out. You don't pre-qualify them. You don't know whether you're competing. You don't know anything. You did, you're did. you just waltzing Deceptive. out there assuming you have the listing, and then you lose again. That's when you hire a coach. Don't waste time. Don't lose the money. Those are too expensive. Those lessons are too expensive. Just cut to the, you know, assume that you're going to be in a situation where you're going to compete because that is what's going to happen. Oh, Tim, I'm mostly a buyer's agent. Hey, guess what? The buyers you sold five or six years ago are now wanting to sell their homes. If you think yourself as you're, you know, mostly a buyer's agent and that's how you act, they're not going to want to do business with you. This is your opportunity to frankly move ahead in the marketplace at a faster pace, you can actually become more successful in a marketplace like this if you're willing to be proactive with the right skill set. That is the reason that we've given you guys Premier Coaching for free for the first 30 days. Scroll down, click the link, join Premier Coaching. You can read all about what you get for the first 30 days. If you don't like what you're experiencing for some reason, you can quit. You don't have to pay us anything. We've made it super simple for you to say yes. Scroll down, click the link to join Premier Coaching, or obviously just go to premiercoaching.com. All right, point number four, upside to a down market. Commissions are going up on both the listing side and the buyer side. Caring, competent, and skilled agents are now in high demand. Fear of missing out, or the FOMO, uh, plus the scary headlines, equals sellers need your guidance to figure out what is actually going on in the market. That's why we devote so much time on the podcast to explaining what's going on in the market. So be the problem solver, the leader in an otherwise confusing market. That's why you're getting paid more these days. All right, point number five, and this one I love, 
Builders love you again. <laughs> Commission bonuses are already common, as high as 6% or more paid to buyer's agents. I get those emails just like you guys do. Just 6% on the buyer's agent side. If yep. you're not getting those emails, you need to make sure you go and register with all the local builders. If you don't know who the local builders are, you need to go and find who the local builders are because that is going to be one of the greatest sources of inventory that's not in the MLS. We've talked about that Dozens and dozens of times on this podcast. That's right. They're on just the buyer side, four, five, six percent, or other force, uh, sources of bonuses from the builders. If you're not talking to builders right now, you are missing out on opportunities for both your buyers and for yourself. Identify new construction neighborhoods in your area, visit the model homes, get the list of promotions, and get your buyers the house they've been waiting for. Most builders will put you on their email campaign and they will send you a weekly update. I look at the ones that I get because uh, my license is in Texas, typically Lennar and KB Homes and places like that and Toll Brothers. So Toll Brothers is advertising a lot of finance deals. Some of the other builders like uh, KB and Lennar are doing these big commission bonuses as well as adding lots of perks for the buyer, right? You want your buyers to love you. How are you providing buyer uh, value to your buyers? It's a hot topic these days, right? Well, negotiate more of the great things you can add on to a new construction house, decks, pools, landscaping, all kinds of cool stuff. You really won't have to negotiate it for the most because part. Because it's being thrown at you. Exactly. You're <laughs> going to walk in. Here's what the house costs. Here's what the uh, options are. But here's all the stuff you get for free because mm -hmm. the builders are having to compete with the you know fewer buyers amongst each other. And all of yeah. them are offering, all the, at least the medium and ups, uh, larger builders are all offering uh, financing incentives. That's right. Because in the past 90 days or so when rates uh, started and continued to inch up, a lot of the new construction deals tanked. And so the builders have more inventory. Those became spec homes, which brings us to point number six. Builders also love buyers. Most builders are now offering in-house financing with loan buy-down programs, which start at an introductory low rate, adjust one to three times, and then lock in the rate on year three. This means buyers can afford more, still get a low rate, refi later if they wish, and have a new home by the holidays. Now, sometimes, depending on the builder, so they're, how are they doing that? They're taking money, actual money, from the sale of the property, and then they're working with usually a third-party lender. It might be their in-house lender, doesn't matter, and they're paying down, they're buying down the interest rates. Now, the nature of the loan that they're offering to your buyer, Julie just gave you an example of a 3-1 or something, you don't necessarily have to do that deal. So let's say they've taken 15 grand or 10 grand from the purchase of the property, they set it aside to buy the rate down, make the payment lower. Well, maybe you, your uh, buyer would prefer a 30-year fix. They can still do that. You're mm -hmm. just going to have to ask. Or maybe they're like a 723 or something like that. Most people don't stay in their houses seven years. So again, depending on your market, and you are probably going to be right as range as having them do a 723 or 525. That's where the rate is lower for the first five years. Then on year five, it adjusts to something else. Um, you know, For Frank the remainder of the loan, it doesn't just keep adjusting. So. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Okay. And uh, we've done podcasts on some of these uh, different have. loan programs. If you guys have your head spinning right now going, what's a 723? What's a 525? I've never heard of such a thing. Refer to previous podcasts. Okay. Or better yet, join coaching so that you can talk about it all the time. All right. Point number seven, down uh, upside to a down market. Homes are still appreciating and rents are still high. Thus, being a homeowner still makes more sense than renting. Real estate is still one of the best, most stable, most predictable investments you can make. Thanks to inflation, you can still count on between 3 and 5% appreciation year over year. Some markets are still achieving more, according to the latest reports from lots of economists. Remember that appreciating less is different 
than depreciating. I saw a headline in CNBC the other day, and mm-hmm. again, we talked about this in the podcast, this always happens when the market starts to shift, mm-hmm. is the headline was, leading economist said mm-hmm. that buying a home, not a good investment compared to investing in the stock market. Well, it turns out this leading economist was working for like, you know, a big brokerage house. And what they're trying to do is convince you to be a tenant and then put the money that you would have used to buy the property into guess what? Security, stocks and bonds and whatever, so they can get commissions. There's always been a competitive, a competition when it comes to the real estate. Well, because people have limited resources and the people that sell insurance and all these other types of registered security type things are competing for that money that should be going for a down payment. Statistically, the num- the amount of net worth that somebody has, and Julie's going to have it memorized, you guys watch, the amount of uh, net worth Maybe. that somebody has uh, that is a homeowner versus the net worth that someone has who is a tenant is completely yeah. different. It's you- literally like 48 times as much yeah. savings. Right. I think the average renter has something like $6,000 uh, savings, and the average homeowner has like $186,000 worth of equity and savings combined. And here's the, here's really what you guys should all be accepting, and it's an unfortunate or fortunate truth. Uh, inflation is not going away. It's not going to run itself out of the market. Prices on uh, on everything are going to continue to inflate. How many of you have been reading the headlines about the fact that real estate in all of the country has gone up by what is it six or eight percent this year? I, most markets have been like five to seven years. Okay, close, yeah. Have you read that anywhere, or have you have you noticed that everyone loves the doom and gloom, and yet uh, go you if you own assets, go you if you own a home because you're you've had an automatic increase in your net worth just because you owned real estate. That's right. Well, you, and you do have to watch what is the stat that's being quoted in some of those headlines. They'll say, you know, um, homes have come down by 0.2%. Prices are coming down. Well, that was probably a month-over-month month adjustment, where if you look at the year-over-year, year, we still have a higher percentage of appreciation. So anyway, just a little detail there for you. All right, point number eight. When you personally carry more listing inventory, you know, because they're taking longer to sell, your lead generation actually becomes easier, not harder. Having just 30 days on the market changes everything instead of 30 seconds on the market. Now you have things like sign calls, open houses, lead follow-up, just listed and just sold campaigns, door knocking to generate business around each listing. Every listing should produce at least one more immediate listing for you in the same or a competing neighborhood when you take advantage of slightly longer days on the market. It's a good thing. I love 30 to 69, 30 to 60 days on the market. I think that's about perfect. Uh, so here's an idea for all of you. This is something that will make money for you urgently. Go find a for sale by owner. Go knock on the door or call the for sale by owner. Use our for sale by owner script. Find out if that for sale by owner has a, that they want to purchase a house. Or maybe you'll discover that they're already in contract on something. But ideally, they want to move up to something for sale. But let's say that for sale by owner, for some reason, they can't necessarily pay whatever the market rate commission is in your marketplace. I have no idea what it is. We're certainly not talking about commission on our podcast. Maybe you can give them a slight discount on their listing commission if they're moving up in price range and you can make it up on the buyer side. Get creative in this market, guys. 100%. Okay. I like number nine, no more wonky as-is contracts for your buyers. Again, in most cases, I think of the recent closings last month, about 20% um, still waived an appraisal, I'm sorry, an inspection contingency. That means 80% of the time we're able to get inspections done. This means more buyers will have more confidence in their purchase since they'll actually know something about the house they're trying to buy. 
Yes, that means you will have to have a higher level of skill in negotiating on the buyer and listing side with regard to inspections. Refer to our podcast series about how to deal with inspections. We addressed that issue as soon as the market started to shift. The percentage of buyers who are waiving inspections continues to drop month over month this year. So again, I think that's an upside to the down market. Buyers get to actually have the home they're buying inspected. Yeah, but you who knew to, that was possible? You have to admit, when we sold real estate, one I also of the, hated that. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, you hate yeah. the the inspectors. Some of them are terrible. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to be really good at choosing an inspector that doesn't, frankly, that has some skill set with talking with um, buyers and knows how to have yes. some bedside, you know, bedside. Well, that's another thing they have to learn that they didn't have to deal with before. Exactly, because no one is using inspectors. Yeah. An inspector can blow apart your deal. And that's, you know, you again, find here's a way to find your best inspectors in your marketplace. Ask the top listing agents who the best inspectors are because the top, they're, it, they'll have already sorted them out. They're already sorted them out. That you're going to have a lot of hackish inspectors who are trying to rationalize the $1,000 or whatever that the buyer's paying for the home inspection. And so they're going to walk around like they're playing whack-a-mole with finding yeah. every single time. Oh, look at that nail pop over there on that shingle. Well, if, the, if they freak the buyer out, there's there's no money out of their pocket. Yeah, exactly. They don't care. They're still getting paid. So choose your inspector wisely. Yes, well put. All right, point number 10. Sellers are much more compliant regarding both the price and condition of the home. That doesn't mean there aren't aspirational sellers still out there, but we're seeing this as a trend. It's not enough to just be available on the market. Now your listing has to actually be the best choice amongst the competition in order to sell, particularly if you have new construction popping up near your listings. Again, sellers need you more and appreciate your expertise. No more wondering why they're paying a commission. They're going to need your help to properly position the house, both in terms of staging and price. My mind is filling, filling of scripts of all the I things that are resist. premier coaching, but I'm not going to, I'm going to resist, but all the scripts, all the techniques you can, uh, that you frankly have to learn in order to properly price uh, properties. And um, again, I'm, again, I'm resisting, but there's going to be a lot of expired listings that are going to come for sale. And those expired sellers are going to be some of the most motivated and loyal after you sell the house folks you're ever going to deal with. That is the market we're in now because they originally listed with an agent who did not properly price the property or didn't help them overcome a condition or a location issue. There's not much you can do with location, but pricing and condition is something that frankly, that inexperienced previous listing agent did not know how to help the seller understand the importance of, well, you will. That's right. Okay. Point number 11, upside to a down market. Prices coming down, I'm going to define that in a second, are what we would call a wash. I'm thinking about someplace like where we just were in Austin. The average uh, sale price during the pandemic years was right around 700000 Coming down, well, their average sale price is like six eighty five now. So it hasn't been radical. It's just kind of settled in. So yes, sellers will sell uh, slightly down from the peak. However, remind them that they will also buy less than at the peak. They'll say, it's a wash. This is still better than taking the highest bid, making yourself homeless, and then spending money to rent until you can get into the next bidding war. This is a good thing. Okay. And, and remember, we don't really have an interest rate problem, listeners. We have an inventory problem. Listen to the podcast that we did for the last three days, and you're going to have to learn how to oftentimes create your own inventory. And the best part of all of this is, is you will not be paying referral fees. You will not have nope. to you know, succumb to some ridiculous 40% fee just because someone's going to give you a lead. You can actually go out there and generate your own business. Exactly. All right. Point number 12, weaker agents will and are, even just during this podcast, Washing out of the market. Why is this good? 
The quality of offers and contracts, as well as the ease of negotiation or negotiating, should get easier when skilled agents are working together. This also allows for the rise of new top producers like you, listeners, who embrace the change and take advantage of the opportunities. So I don't like that point, and I and I, I say that with love and respect, my okay. dear, because the fact is is that the weaker agents are only weaker, not because they didn't necessarily have the aptitude or the desire not to be the weak agents. It's because they hadn't discovered this podcast. Because they you. joined a real estate brokerage that was run by somebody who, frankly, only sold during one market, and they didn't have the skill set themselves to help that agent Agreed. be successful. So when, I, when, I, when people celebrate in any way somebody else failing, I just have a... Well, I didn't quite mean it that way. Right. You know yes. what I meant, though. <clears throat> I, meant, I meant more that the agents that are not just surviving but thriving in the market and starting to deal with each other are going to have a little smoother transaction. So if you're a new agent and you don't want to be a weak, failed agent, then you yeah. need to learn the skills necessary so that when you stumble across a top-producing agent who's going to probably dismiss you just because, like, say, for example, you're bringing a buyer to purchase their listing and they see your license number is, like, from, you know, issued 30 seconds ago. But if you present yourself professionally yes. and you actually approach that seller or that listing agent professionally as we teach you in Premier Coaching – um, you're going to win the business. You're, they're going to respect you. And what you also discover is they actually, even if they're from a competing brokerage, might sort of emotionally adopt you mm -hmm. and be somewhat of a mentor for you. So these are all the interesting yes, things happening. I agree with that. And the way that uh, you know, true talent can smell out other talent is the way you present yourself, not the, uh, how many followers you have on Instagram. That's right. Refer to the chapter in the Harris Rules book that you can get on Amazon called Upgrading Everything. And that will help you greatly, whether you're, you know, just licensed or a little bit more experienced. Okay, point number 13, more expired, withdrawn, and canceled listings. This is a good thing. It's easier to identify sellers who have the desire to sell and who have uh, been willing to list their homes. Pricing is actually easier because the market's already tested the previous price, and you can choose your own inventory when you get great at helping expired and canceled and withdrawn sellers. Expired listings have fewer days on the market when they relist. This is a fact. So be the listing agent when it actually sells. And sometimes, though Julie's point was about pricing, sometimes the problem is not the price of the property. True. You could actually relist a house at the previous price and have it sell within 32 seconds for reasons that we'll we've talked about in past podcasts and we certainly drill mm -hmm. down yeah. on our Premier Coaching program. If you guys have not yet joined Premier Coaching, if you want to see all these points, we have two more points for today's podcast. Scroll down. The link of, to join Premier Coaching is there, or you can just go to premiercoaching.com. And certainly all of our notes from today's podcast are there as well. All right. Point number 14. There are actually more for sale by owners happening. These are otherwise known as unrepresented owners. Why? This is something I hear about on coaching and from the coaches all the time. Many of today's for sale by owners were expired listings last month or last quarter. They're trying it on their own because they don't know what else to do. Well, not only that, they listed with in the, you know, essentially a year ago with their uh, center of influence past client uh, mm -hmm. agent, that agent failed. They don't know any other real estate agents. So when you see a for sale by owner sign, it's just a help wanted sign. Absolutely. And you better be calling them. Remember, they're literally giving you their phone number. They're telling you my home <laughs> is for sale. You sell homes for a living. It does make sense that you would talk to each other. And just use the seller, you know, use the uh, for sale by owner, unrepresented owners, as we call them. Use the script when you're calling them. Mr. Seller, when this home sells, where are you going next? You know, we're moving to Florida. Florida, that's exciting. So ideally, how soon do you want to be there? Well, we have to be there within the next 90 days. 90 days, ouch. And then follow the script. It does work. Okay, point number 15, our final point today. 
luxury homes just became more affordable. According to Redfin, luxury homes have suffered a 30% drop in the number of sales in the last 90 days, reaching a 10-year low. Look for expired listings. You want to raise your average sale price? That's one way to do it. Find out who still has to sell versus who's giving up and list the have-to-sell sellers. Which buyers have you spoken with in the past one to three years who would have moved up, but there was little to nothing to choose from, or maybe they didn't want to pay those prices? Now could be their time. Point number 15, Julie and I actually did. So when we started selling real estate, our average sale price was with whatever the average sale price was in overall central Ohio. And we've quickly figured out that when we started exploring these more expensive areas in central Ohio, that maybe 20 minutes away from where we were selling real estate and we we're born and raised, there were homes that were selling for three, four X what our average sale price was. We got to know some of the listing agents out there and buyer's agents, and they weren't any more or less skilled than the agents we'd been competing with in these normal sale price areas. Nope. So we had the little epiphany. Why don't we move out there and sell more expensive listings? And we, we figured out how to do it without destroying the market that we'd created some momentum in. Um, and then what we then did is we wanted to uh, have a spring market launch in that new market where we'd have a bunch of new listings. So what Julie and I did, and we did not make any fl- you know fuss about it, is we started calling the expired sellers, that of which there were quite a few in that particular market, and we started getting their listings. And we got that we were calling the expired sellers at the end of the fourth quarter of the year that we were you know moving out there, and then the first quarter of the following year we then had all these new listings. And I remember, and it was so much fun <laughs> when that we got the bill for all these signs because the signs in this particular community were ridiculous. Yes. They're these massive wood signs. They're beautiful, but oh my gosh, I think each sign was hundreds of dollars. Yeah, they but were I remember, like 425 a piece. But I remember we got a bill for like <laughs> six grand for all these stupid yeah. for sale signs, but it was exciting too. It was one of the best bills we've ever paid because when yes. you drove around in this community, it, it we our signs were like around every single corner because we'd done the work, earned the right to be the listing agents. And for a little while in that particular market, we were the most dominant listing agents. But we got that way faster because a, we moved there so we could have more conversations with more people, well, we, and B, because we prospected expires. We did eventually physically move there, but we also were prospecting the expires prior to moving yes. there. Yes, that's right. If you want to raise your average sale price, if you want to break into certain neighborhoods, expired hunting is the fastest path. There's no doubt about it. And this market is the best market to do that. If you've always wanted to earn more money and frankly, not work as hard and selling more expensive listings, do it in a market like this where the sellers have already tried their golf buddy agent or their Mm -hmm. person that, you know, all the rest of it. They've already burned through the local agents. Maybe they've burned through two or three local agents. And now here you arrive on your white horse and you're taking this fresh approach because you're using our proven uh, premier coaching system. You take the listing, you sell the listing. Imagine all the rest of the business that's going to come your way just off the for sale sign or the neighbors seeing that your that house had been for sale with all the local yokel agents and now you got the house sold who do you think they're going to call when they put their house for sale yes and here's some really advanced coaching are you ready those luxury homeowner sellers want the same things as everybody else there's no witchcraft and alchemy about it they want a caring and competent agent who will help them get the job done in other words exactly the same thing right the same scripts the same techniques the same everything works, whether you're selling inexpensive properties 
or more expensive properties. That's how we've designed Premier Coaching. By the way, it also works at a high level no matter what the interest rates are, no matter what the days of the market are, whether you're selling in the city or country properties. It does not matter. But with that said, there are some little nuanced approaches that you do have to take with upper-end sellers. We've talked about this on past podcasts and obviously drilled down on that extensively in both of our book, Harris Rules, but mostly in Premier Coaching. If you have not yet done so, what the heck are you waiting for? Join Premier Coaching. The link is below or just go to premiercoaching.com. Thank you. Thank you for keeping this number one listed to daily podcast for real estate agents in at least the United States. Uh, this year, there's going to be well over 4 million downloads and listens. And that doesn't even include all the folks that are listening to us and watching our video over on YouTube. So guys, our success is because of your success. You wouldn't listen continuously if what we were saying wasn't helping you help others and make money in your real estate careers. Thank you for allowing us the honor of being in alignment with, frankly, our highest and truest mission on this planet, which is being a service to all of you. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.